Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 203. This week, we talk with Josh Holmes about the latest in PWA and what Microsoft and other companies are doing. Hacking vending machines. And we salivate over the new Dell 49-inch monitors. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. Check it out today at raygun.com. This week we have Josh Holmes, Director of Web Apps and Frameworks on the Edge team. What the heck does that mean, Josh? That's a great <laughs> question there, Jason. Uh, so, uh, first of all, you know, the Edge team, this is the browser team, not not the... Uh, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So, so you and I have worked together on yep. you know, IoT Edge stuff yeah. in the past. But no, no, this is not that. This is the browser. And, and so... Um, you know, when you think about the browser, uh, underneath the browser, there is a rendering engine, there's a JavaScript engine, there's a DOM parser, there's all that other goo that makes the web platform. On top of that, there's an application built called uh, the browser, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in our case, it's it's Edge, right? Um, mm-hmm. But there are 2 million plus applications in the world that are built on top of that web platform stack. Yeah. And so all of those guys... All, all 2 million plus of those are using the technology that my team is creating uh, through the web view, uh, through WWA host, through, uh, you know, et cetera. And so if you want access to those things and incorporate them into your application, you're building on top of uh, my team's technology. Uh, so the simplest case is, um, you know, there's a ton of applications out there that monetize through ads. And so mm-hmm. you'll have an application up and you'll have a little ad banner. Well, that's web. You know, it's it's HTML JavaScript these days, and so um, so that's the simplest case. On the other end of the spectrum is if you ever use Office. I, I, I'm mm-hmm. assuming that you guys have used Office in the past. I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, <laughs> when you are Office uses the web view in 32 places throughout uh, Office. Uh, yeah. And that's everything from when you read an email. It's actually HTML JavaScript content. Um, mm-hmm. HTML, CSS mostly, um, but uh, their entire extensibility model. Um, so how you write extensions to yep. Office is all actually built on top of WebView. Which is super cool. Yeah, exactly. And so because those exact same extensions work if you're on their website, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Office uh, uh, web uh, Office 365, uh, and it also works in the desktop client as well because they're using exactly the same technology, same rendering engine, same JavaScript engine, etc. on both. Exactly, exactly. Cool, yeah, that's such a good point that the, the browser itself is like such a such a thin layer. Like that's the, that's almost the easy part. Yeah, You know, exactly. there's probably like one one dev and, you know, they're just, they're like working on the on the UI and, you know, it's like, it's a frame, you know, obviously there's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably, there's probably a whole team now that's like, oh, you jerk, but <laughs> you, you know, like I realize there's like the bookmark system and all that other stuff, but really like, 
the the part that I, I feel like I given enough time I could code that up the rendering engine I mean that's got to be like tens of thousands of you know dev hours and the amount of work and effort and intelligence that goes into that just has to be astounding right so uh, yeah we actually uh, one of the interesting parts about the the timing on my move over was mm-hmm. when I first moved over to the edge team I actually moved to the web platform team. And so the okay. web platform team was about 170, 180 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were merged with um, the the Saga team, which is actually, they, they're the ones who build the browser app on top okay. of the web platform. Like the, I, I was going to call it the Chrome, but that's probably confusing. <laughs> that, is, that, <laughs> yes, that, is, that is confusing, yes. Um, <laughs> And so, um, yeah, and, and I, I started out, you know, explaining my, my new role as, um, well, think of the browser without the Chrome. Wait, no, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but that actually makes sense. <laughs> Imagine makes a sense. world without Chrome. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyways, the, uh, so the browser team, you know, the, the Saga team, uh, that was about 150 to 200 people. Plus, yeah. there's another team that got incorporated in. So the browser team, the team that I joined, which was about 180-ish people, is now 600. Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's been a it's been a tumultuous and interesting time over here. Uh but it's the first time since the very very early IE days where we have the input team, we've got the uh Saga, the the you know the the browser app team, the web platform team, the JavaScript engine team, you know all of those teams are all under one roof. You know, because for sense. a very very long time the JavaScript team was actually over under um mm. uh DevDiv. Okay. And, um, you know, and actually, you know, managed by the Visual Studio team. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it was separate from the browser. And so, you know, but we've actually combined all those teams up underneath one team now. Um, so very, very exciting time to be over here uh, as we're, you know, taking on a, some some really, really big challenges. Cool. Well, that makes, lo- makes logical sense. Yeah. So that was a quick intro. So, uh, Carl, (laughs) no, it's fine. Um, It's great having you back on. So, uh, Carl, you want to talk about Milwaukee Code Camp real quick? Yeah. So on Saturday, November 10th, uh, there's going to be another Milwaukee Code Camp if you're in the southern Wisconsin area. And uh, just like to remind people, hey, if you want to attend, that's great. If you think you might want to speak, this is a great opportunity like kind of like a, a low stress way to get into uh, public speaking. I know uh, several people do it every year. Um, it, it, it's uh, a big enough area or a big enough conference that uh, code camp that, you know, there's a fair amount of people that attend, but if uh, you're nervous about a lot of people seeing you, uh, you, you might not have to worry about a, a lot of people overstressing you uh, if you're there for a speaker. And if you work for a company that might have a little bit of extra money i know milwaukee code camp is always looking for more sponsors so a low attendance event got it <laughs> i wouldn't say low but no it's a it's a it's a smaller regional conference so are you going to be speaking there i i won't be speaking but i will likely be there okay okay so you I should, should really send, yeah because you're even yeah. closer than me yeah exactly so i will uh i will try to make it there it actually is on my calendar on my calendar and uh my son was actually interested in going so um, I would go just for him. Well, in that case, if some of your kids go, that would make it easier to rope my kids to go. 
Well, <laughs> one of my kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, let's see here. Let's jump into the news because we have some really cool stories. Like this one, this first one here, MIT plans college for artificial intelligence and they want to spend a billion dollars. One well, billion dollars. I, I think the cool thing, other than the money ab about this, is they're talking about this is going to fund 50 professors. <laughs> and and that, that's just huge. 50 professors yeah. focusing entirely on AI. Yeah. And 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 not to mention that, you know, that that's also includes money for to uh, staff undergraduates and um, building. Uh, in, yeah. I think year 2020 or 2022, they will all move into their own building as well. So there's going to be cool. an AI building with 50 professors. Um, and if that's something that, uh, you, you know, you, we can see that this is AI is just getting injected everywhere nowadays as mm -hmm. And we need more and more people who understand this because it's not something you can, you know, you know, learn JavaScript in a weekend. You're not going to do AI in a weekend. Yeah. And then the article mentions, too, that they are going to um, like the AI portions are actually going to affect other classes. Like they're going to try to figure out how to apply to other classes, which I think is uh, is pretty cool. Um, let's should we move on here. Twitter under formal investigation for hot tracks users in the GDPR era. Yeah, there was this guy in Ireland, and uh, he did an information request, as is required under GDPR, to yep. Twitter just to ask, like, hey, how is my data being used? And they responded, uh, we're not going to tell you. So, uh, <laughs> so, okay. he went, so he went to the, the local regulators. Uh, I don't have the up directly, so otherwise I would look real quick, which department it was. But he made a complaint, an official complaint and now there's uh, some official lit litigation that could be the very first gdpr uh lawsuit that there is okay i think this is probably a good use for it i mean i, I think everybody was concerned when gdpr you know whenever that was was first put into effect that it would sort of get misused i mean like you could you could like legitimately just kind of make like a small mistake and you know uh, and, and really get penalized like super heavily for it um, you know, even when it's not meant to be malicious or whatever. Uh, but you know, in, in this case, like if, if they were just like, you know, Hey, buzz off, we're not going to tell you like that's, that's just not right. I mean, there's, there's a reason that GDPR exists for, for privacy and, and for this idea that you own your own data. So I'm glad that there's, uh, there's, you know, basically a process that's being followed here. Yeah. I think Josh disappeared, so we will we will try to resummon. Oh, there he's he's been summoned again. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a lot of problems with Skype, the um, uh, U2P app, and so uh, I just went and downloaded the desktop application. Ah, oh, there you go. Waited for a crash, and when it crashed, I launched the desktop application. <laughs> the there you app. go. There you go. No problem. We will just keep on trucking. Right. Uh, and then this next article, I don't know, Josh, if you had enough time to look at this one, but this was awesome. But it's how I hacked modern vending machines. And um, so I, I actually I was I was kind of on the edge of my seat with this whole story because I, I love how he walks through how he hacked. Um, it's basically there's a, they use an app uh, that that you put credits onto, and then you can use that app. You hold it up to the to the vending machine, and then it will dispense you know your food or drink of choice. And basically, he walks through. And how he hacked this application, basically, de, you know, like decompiling the, the APK and then um, ultimately finding uh, an encrypted database. But he was able to look at the code. So he figured out that the encryption key was the 
was the device ID of the, um, you know, or the ID of the device. Uh, it was actually the IMEI number. So he plugged that in and uh, boom, he had equal, he had access to the SQLite database, in which case he was able to change his zero balance to a 999 balance um, and then basically have uh, full, you know, full access to just take whatever food he wanted out of there. Now he submitted it to them. This was all on the, on the up and up. I don't know. He probably stole a bag of chips or something. Um, maybe give him back. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just thought this was great cause it, it was just, you know, so, so it was such a simple, you know, hack. Like this is the kind of person where I think if you come up with a new product, you say, Hey, take a stab at this, uh, see if you can find like a backdoor into this or these challenges where, you know, basically you'll pay out money. Uh, if somebody can find a bug like this so that you have the white hat hackers that, that find this and not the, not the bad guys. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is uh, security through obfuscation, really, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, right. so you, need, you need real security. That's, that's what this proved. Well, I, I think that, <laughs> Who knew? I think, what, I think one of the big things he called out is, like, the code wasn't even obfuscated. He right. just, like, downloaded right. the APK and opened it up. Like, he said they made, they made no attempts to do anything securely. So if you would have had introduced, uh, you know, a cloud component that would check a balance and instead of rely on yeah. the local database on that... the device. That was my first thing is like, I can't believe this thing. I mean, it must, it must be for, because of offline use yeah. uh, because the vending machine, you know, it, it can't always be connected and the device can't be connected. Um, and that must be why they built their architecture this way. But this is like my first instinct would be, hey, why don't you go check the cloud or at least synchronize with the cloud occasionally through the app and through right. the vending machine? Uh, that is really weird to me. Um, aside from that, you know, since he has physic basically physical access to the vice, like I'm not quite sure what you could do. Like obfuscation only obfuscates it, right? Like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't necessarily provide more security. It just right. makes it a little bit harder to to crack it. And I think I like certificate based uh encryption instead of, you know, just using yeah. some you know, some you know, connection or you know, encryption based off of a in this case the IMEI number. Yeah. You know, that that was pretty easy to look up, but you know, if you don't have the certificate that's used to sign it, that's a lot harder. Well, he, but he, it, it's it also is. his device. I mean, I think he could grab the cert off of there unless it's an encrypted file system and the encryption is, you know, uses hardware keys. But Josh, go ahead. You, I think you probably understand this better yeah, than I do. Well, the, the IMEI number is a fixed um, uh, salt, you know, forever. And, yeah. so, you know, whereas you know, if you're using certs, you can change them occasionally. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And so uh, at a minimum, you know, the cert is going to be the, be, a, be the right next step. Uh, mm-hmm. But I agree with you, Jason, that, you know, having some kind of, you know, synchronization with the back end and, you know, doing some some double checking, then you can, you know, banish IMEI numbers that are um, uh, abusing the system. Yeah. Like I've heard of, um, I don't know if this is true. I, I might've mentioned on the show before, like I've heard of like a uh, coin star machines, you know, it's interesting. You put your, you put your cash in there and if you do like an Amazon gift card, um, there's no fee because basically they get a kickback from, from Amazon, right? They get like their referral fees. If you pick a different type of card, um, if you say like, I want, um, I don't know what the options are. If I, if you want like a check or something, I don't know what, I can't remember what they are, but there's other, maybe it's like a Best Buy gift card or something. 
they will um they'll charge you a fee there's like a you know three percent fee or something i've heard that if you like go behind the machine you know back in the days of modems you could go behind the machine you'd pick that that type and then right be right right as you push the button you'd unplug it from the phone line and it would sit there and basically you'd be like uh there's an error and it would default to like okay well we'll give you this without a fee because we really don't have a way of of doing that um you know, so like I understand some of the challenges of, of connectivity, especially with the vending machine. It's going to be inside, you know, so satellite modem, cellular modem, who knows, you know, if those are even going to be available. So it is an interesting problem, but the fact that they just totally avoided it and just in, in you know, gave up all their security, I guess, uh, yeah. It'll be actually what should be interesting is to see how they fix this, right? So hopefully we see. A uh, new version that's come out, and the guy tries to hack it again, and he's like, "Oh, okay, good on you. You you figured out a better way to to handle this pattern." Um, and then the last story that we have here is pretty quick and simple. I saw this today on Twitter, and I was uh, drooling. Uh, but Dell launches its first 49-inch ultra-wide monitor with QHD resolution. Um, so that's 5120 by 14. So yeah, that is sweet. Now I know, Josh, you've had like. Um, uh, you know, historically you've had like a giant curved monitor. Yep. So I think uh, you're sort of an expert on these. So what do you think of this thing? <laughs> um, the, I, I love the giant curved monitor. In fact, you know, I'll see if I can do this here. Uh, if you happen to be watching on YouTube, you can see. Yeah, I think you have to. Monitor. Yeah, turn off your turn off your video and turn it back on because you uh, you haven't oh. moved in like 10 minutes. Oh, okay. Fun time. Well, yeah. <laughs> but if you go to the show notes and click on the articles that we'll have posted, uh, uh the MSPowerUser.com is the article that we have, and they show uh, two, one stacked on top of it, another, yeah. and it just looks amazing. Uh, but it, it does say that the price <laughs> is uh, MSRP fifteen ninety nine US dollars. Oh, why do you so got to bring me down, Carl? <laughs> so that would be thirty two hundred dollars for that amazing display before the mount. Plus, yeah, I was gonna say probably like a six hundred dollar mount. <laughs> good, good luck finding a mount like that too. Uh, but it is MSRP, so you know you could probably be out the door on the whole setup for three grand. Yeah, you know if they when, if you when, catch them on sale. When's it going to be on zones, Jason? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Any luck with your video there, Josh? Skype is not, <laughs> not being friendly. Um, it is it is really complaining at me over here. Um, oh, okay. Anyways, long story short, I've got a I've got one of the wide monitors that I actually do my work yep. on, and I usually have. Um, uh, you know, um, Outlook pinned in one and uh, Visual Studio pinned in the other one. And then I've got a vertical monitor, uh, which is a, a, a normal size monitor, uh, but I've got a, you know, tilted vertical uh, that I use for Teams and any other things that are long reading. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, I like my monitor setup and I, the, yeah. the, the wide monitors are, are awesome. They really are. Yeah. And I do, I do recommend like you probably have a, I think you're, I've seen your curved monitor and it looks good from all different angles. I have, you know, uh, I wanted 4k monitors. Of course they, they bought me the, the work bought me like the cheapest, uh, thing humanly possible. Um, and, and I can't complain cause I do have two 4k monitors, but they're, they're Asus monitors. And the, the challenge with them is like, if I, you know, like, uh, top to bottom when they're in landscape mode, um, if I tilt them, like the, the actual like viewing angle is like pretty crazy bad. So I did try, uh, putting them in vertical mode the one day 
And uh, it was pretty unbearable because, like, literally the top of the page was sort of a different color than than the bottom of the page oh. uh, because the difference in viewing angle. Because they're huge, too. They're like 20. I think they're like 28 inch monitors. Um, yeah. So make sure this is something, you know, you're staring at for, you know, eight plus hours a day. So I'd recommend not not skimping on. I bet you this Dell UltraSharp, though, they usually do a pretty good job. Um, and the fact that it is so wide, I'm guessing they really paid a lot of attention to the viewing angle. So, um, I think this will be, I think this will actually be an interesting monitor if you, you know, if, if it's, if it's in your budget. And I will also say that, you know, monitors are this thing that you can get away with buying only once every, you know, five years, uh, pretty easily if you buy a really good one. So, you know, that's something to consider too. You sort of amortize it over that amount of time. You know, you spend 2000 bucks on like a desktop computer and then, you know, you cheap out and you buy like a $250 monitor. Um, and it, it does, it seemed kind of silly at that point. Yep. Um, I wish they had, uh, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if OLED is going to start uh, making its way into desktop computers. Probably not anytime soon, but uh, I sure do love uh, OLED screens on my, on my eyes. So, okay, well, let's jump into PWA talk because that's why we have you here, Josh. And I will just sort of remind everybody, we had uh, uh, quite a few episodes ago, it was, it was basically a year ago, we had Jeff Bertoft on and he did talk about PWA and they were, PWA was like really starting to get popular. I really heard um, them, people started talking about them in mainstream. So I feel like we've, we've had a lot of time, a, lot, a fair amount of time has gone by. Plus Microsoft is doing a whole bunch of interesting things in this space. So that's why we got Josh here to, uh, to simplify it for us. So I think we, we should talk, you know, people who haven't heard that episode um, and don't feel like, you know, they're lazy and they feel like not going back and listening to that episode. That's fine. Uh, so Josh, if you want to give us like a, just a quick overview of, you know, what is PWA? What do we mean when we're talking about that? Well, so first of all, um, you mm -hmm. know, so let's break down the acronym. So uh, sure. it's progressive web app. So we'll start with the, 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 the center word, which is web um, for the developer. It's, it's, it's web. So they, they are building a website. Um, and typically, you know, what we encourage people to do when they're building a PWA is start by building a great single page app. And, um, you know, you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be a single page, but, um, you know, that, that tip tends to work out really well. Um, there's lots of great frameworks uh, out there to do that in. Uh, my preference is a combination of React with TypeScript. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it allows me to work you know, nicely with, in TypeScript with the object-oriented uh, programming language. And, uh, and yet, you know, the you know, React side gives me that componentized front end that I really, really like. Um, so you start by building a highly performance um, uh, web site, and then uh, we want to be able to distribute that across all of the different platforms. Um, and so the way that you do that is um, uh, fairly simple. There's a there's a website that uh, Jeff Berthoff's team actually built called um, uh, PWA Builder. And what that will do is you plug in the URL to your website and it will uh, go create the wrappers that you can uh, deliver to the uh, iOS store, the Android store, the Windows uh, store, or if you're on any, uh, any, um, uh, any, any other platform, then you can actually do an install from browser. And so um, both Chrome and Firefox support install from browser. Um, and, you know, and, and you can just install it uh, right there. So to the developer, it feels and looks and smells like a website. And to the user, it feels and smells and looks like a app. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, the way this is done is you have your application. 
and then you start adding a few extra components to it. Um, the two hardcore requirements are that you are running over HTTPS and that you are um, that you have a manifest. And so there's a uh, file called the manifest.json. So it's a little JSON file. And really all that does is it tells the, the platform how to, how to install you and, and, and how to run you. And so it, it includes things like links to the icons that you want to use as the, you know, the, the, the shortcut. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, the the short name that you want to show up in searches and in the the you know menus and that kind of stuff, um, very very simple basic kind of stuff. Um, the other one that's very important is um, the other attribute in the manifest file is um, do you want to be running you know how much of the exterior of the browser do you want to see? Do you want it to launch and run like it's a pinned website? And so it's actually running in the browser in full context with the, the, the menus and the you know, tabs and, and all that other stuff? Or do you want a minimal UI where you are providing all the navigation and it looks and feels and smells exactly like a desktop application? Um, so those are the two extremes, and there's gradations in between those. Uh, so that's in the manifest. And then the, the next big thing that you can add um, is a service worker. Um, and so um, and this is a it's not a hardcore requirement, but it's a strongly recommended. But I actually recommend this for websites in general today, uh, because if your browser supports service worker, which all of the modern browsers do, then there are a lot of benefits you can get from having uh, a service worker implementation. If your browser does not support service worker, that's okay. You'll just ignore it, and uh, the rest of your code will operate as if it's a website. Once you insert the service worker, it's got a couple of methods that are really, really important. One of them is, um, you know, it, it actually acts as a proxy. So when you request a web page, um, then what it's going to do is, is your service worker actually gets that request and is able to, to make a decision and say, do I want to look in the cache first? Do I want to go online and get it online? What do I want to do? And so it will um, you know, make a decision there. If your browser does not support Service Worker, that exact same network request is just going to go to the, go to the network and, and not look in the cache first. So you'll get benefits from having the Service Worker, but it doesn't um, cripple your application if, you, if it doesn't support it. So while yeah. you were talking, I actually used this BW Builder. Yeah. <laughs> so this is crazy because I went in here and I said, you know, generate manifest and like it did a great job. It had like the, all the icons and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and then build service worker. And it was talking about the options that you mentioned where it can do like the caching and everything. It, get, it literally gave me all the code and downloaded that. And then I said publish and then it said, oh, yeah, here you go. Download. And it has like the whole thing. <laughs> so there we go. I've now developed a PWA app. So what we should do go. is we should add this to it's our static simple. website, yeah, and then now we can turn that into a PWA. Yeah, because yeah, it looks like it looks like yeah, I have to upload. There's like a manifest. I see generation info. I don't know if that's necessary, um, but then there's images. So that manifest, I assume, is kind of the the key to this whole thing. Yes. Yeah, you just okay. put the manifest.json. Just just uh, put that file uh, in your uh, in the root of wherever you want the application to be. Okay. And you put your if you have a service worker, which it will generate one for you. I know uh, PWA builder will. Um, yeah. And and you've got a couple of different options there. You know, do do you want it to just fully offline your application, which actually would be really interesting for you guys because I'm going to go get on an airplane 
And if I could just bring the MS Dev Show with me on the airplane, and it's already downloaded all the content, yeah. log on, right? Um, and then, uh, anyways, you put the service worker uh, in the same place as your manifest, and you're done. Like, yeah, you don't have to do anything else. Um, on the, you know, if, if you are, um, uh, you know, if you want to submit to the stores, great. Go submit to the stores. Um, but the beautiful part is, is that now, once you've submitted to the store, you're done. You don't. You never have to submit to the store again. All you do is you update your website, and it will update the uh, the application. Okay. That is super cool. I, yeah. I like this. I like where this world's going. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of the things you know, like this this end um, so of this month. So other than. Um... Oh, I think Carl was breaking up there. Go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. At the end of this month, we're, I'm helping with the Seattle Give Camp, and mm-hmm. one of the companies that uh, nonprofits that submitted is a they they do um, a promotion of local arts around Seattle. It's called Image Journal, and uh, they submitted that they wanted this whole you know mobile app to go with their website. And initially, we were looking at it going, "Wow, that's going to be a lot of work." And then it was like, "No, no, 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 no. This is a progressive web app." And uh, it turns out that Image Journal uh, is actually a um, WordPress website. And there's actually already a WordPress plugin called Super PWA that will generate your manifest, generate your service worker. <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. We went from this is too much work for a weekend to what are we going to do with the rest of Friday night? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, th- that's a great piece of advice, though. Like, check. Check whatever platform you're on and see if it already has support for this. Exactly. Exactly. Because WordPress already does the different sized icons, already does the short names and the long names, already does a lot of the metadata that you need for the um, uh, for the application. And so um, just let the Super PWA plugin generate your manifest and you're done. You don't have to think about it. Very cool. Okay. What were you going to say, Carl? So... Other than PWA Builder, what is Microsoft and your team doing in the PWA space? So uh, if you want to build a PWA that runs on top of uh, Edge HTML and is installable through the store, that's that's my team. Um, and so, uh, you know, the PWA Builder will build out the UWP application, which really what that is, is it's a launcher that points at a URI. <laughs> and then the rest of that is is all is all my team um uh, building out the the uh, we call WWA host um which mm-hmm. is a um uh, you know I, I mentioned you know there's the web platform and then there is the browser app on top of that the you know WWA host is a separate um uh, app on top of the web platform that allows you to take advantage of it in, in your native applications Okay. Is there a way for me then to take like, you know, our, our entire website? I mean, you were talking about the caching earlier, but is there, is there a way today where I can take all that and put that basically in AppX and submit the entire thing to the store with all the content? There is. Um, okay. It's, it's called a, a packaged app. Um, okay. And, you know, that's, this harkens back to the uh, Windows 8 in the 8.1 days, um, and you know when you could build your application in um, HTML JavaScript and submit it 
that way. Um, we're, we're actually recommending against that these days. Uh, there's some amount of prepackage that you can do um, that is useful, but um, you know, going with a straight PWA means that it'll work on every platform, and you don't have to think about it. <laughs> oh, um, that's a good point. You know, and it, whereas the packaging up. That was actually a Windows Windows 10, or sorry, Windows 8, 8.1, now Windows 10 only thing. Doesn't work on Android, doesn't work on iOS, doesn't work on Mac, doesn't work on Linux, <laughs> you know, et cetera. Whereas PWA as a set of specifications, there is a browser implementation that works on every single one of those platforms that supports PWA today. Don't wait for users to report problems. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications, supports all major programming languages and platforms, and integrates with your current development workflow tools too. There's a free 14-day trial, and it takes minutes to implement, so start resolving issues in your application and check it out today at raygun.com. Yeah, so I was going to ask, like, what what companies are on board with this? I mean, uh, is is Apple sort of be being like begrudgingly like pulled into this space, or or are they like all on board with this? Because I know, I, like, I don't does iOS. I, I, I've read that like they support PWA, but I really don't understand what that even means. Like, how do I how do I do a PWA app, or or maybe I'm already using them? Do I get them through the store? I don't I don't get that part. So there is a chance that you're already using them on iOS and Android. Um, okay. And so there's there's on iOS and Android, there's two different ways to install uh, a PWA. One is to open your favorite browser and um, click the little dot, 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 drop down, and there will be an install if you're on a, on a site that happens to be a PWA. Then you can install it right there, and it will do the uh -huh. do their normal install. The second is uh, PWA Builder will actually create the wrappers to um, to dump into the Android and the iOS stores. Um, and so, you know, if you go to uh, if you install Twitter on uh, Windows 10 or on Android or on iOS, um, I believe all three of those now are their PWA. Um, Uber uh, on Windows 10. Oh is well, yeah. PWA. So so. <laughs> So you mentioned so let's just take Twitter just because it's super yep. simple and I want to say so when I install Twitter from the iOS App Store you're saying that's a PWA I believe I believe it is now okay um, well maybe you have an example time, where you're hundred percent sure of well I I know for a fact that it is on Windows 10 because uh, oh, okay. my team helped them build it <laughs> okay <laughs> but um, I, I'm not positive if they have decided if they've already pulled the trigger on on making that the um, uh, yeah, the application on, on yeah. iOS, and, and here's the wonderful part: you won't necessarily know. Well, that was that was what I was kind of getting at. Like, I, I want to be, I, I want, I want you to be like, hey, you know, you've been using this for a while, and it's awesome. You don't even know. <laughs> and, and the answer is, you probably have. I just, I'm yeah, sure I have a quick list of them on iOS at the okay. moment. Um, but back to your question about the what companies, um, Google and Microsoft are definitely the front runners in championing PWA. Um, we actually started with a thing called HWA, which is a hosted web app. Um, we actually started that um, many, many moons ago, um, long before PWA was a standard. Um, and you know now we have have shifted to we support the full standards uh, set of standards that are PWA because uh, it's not one standard it's it's a bunch of little ones all put together under a banner called PWA but um, 
yeah, so Google and Microsoft are definitely the front runners. Um, Firefox is very supportive, um, and then as you as you aptly put it, uh, Apple is a little begrudgingly pulled into this, but uh, they can't help but support it as much momentum as there is behind it in the industry. Exactly. So, so how closely have your team and Google's teams been working together? Because I've heard a, like a lot of rumors just saying, yeah, Microsoft and Google are working great together in this area, but there's no other details. So is is that true? And if so, how, how close are you guys uh, collaborating? We have, uh, so, uh, you know, my team, uh, we've got a bunch of the uh, engineers and uh, PMs on my team uh, are on, and also the PAX teams, the Jeff Bershoff's team. Um, we're on... Um, somewhere between monthly and quarterly calls with the Google team about what they're doing and what we're doing. And we're jointly working on what the spec should be. That's very cool. Yeah. Cause I mean, it seems like you have every reason to collaborate and I can see why Apple is, is kind of the, the odd man out because they, you know, they have their, their precious store, which makes them, you know, all their money. And, you know, they just don't, they don't have much of a reason until, you know, it, it just becomes so popular. Everybody's like, come on, Apple, get on board with this. Right. Well, and, and, you know, they are, um, their concern, and this is actually, this is a concern across the board when you're submitting through an app store, is that, you know, one of the nice parts about the app store is up front, you, you know, the, uh, and with each submission to the app store, the store team, regardless of which company, gets to evaluate the application, go do testing with it, see if it's doing anything malicious, and so on and so forth. The PWA way of doing things is you submit once and then you update your website right. and the application just automatically gets those gets those updates and it bypasses any of the store stuff yeah well the reality though is that it is it's it's running in a browser context <laughs> yeah <And> so <laughs> it's it, already it's, sandbox essentially it's, it's already running inside of the sandbox it's already you know doing the right things from a security standpoint on on that side yeah. um Windows 10 currently, um, we are allowing access to some of the WinRT runtime underneath. Um, and so there are uh, a few additional uh, security implications on that end of things. Um, but we're, you know, working quickly on and, and, and hard on, on what to do about those properly. Okay. So. And, and then you mentioned service workers a couple of times. I know you uh, talked about it a little bit earlier, but like really what is a service worker? Like what types of things can you do with them? There's two primary things that you can do with them. One is the network proxy that I talked about uh, briefly. Yeah. And the second is receiving push notifications. Um, so ah, yeah. what Key. Service Worker does is it is a um, uh, it's running in a separate thread than your uh, render process. And so it can register to receive push notifications um, and also it uh, intercepts that network traffic. Um, but it does not have access to, uh, you know, change the DOM or other things that are in the render process. It has to marshal those those calls back over to the uh, to the primary process. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. Cool. So, what does it take to convert like a a well defined website to a PWA? And in particular, you know, what I think we could use maybe for an example is like the Office apps because. Uh, you know, Word and Excel and PowerPoint and Teams have all been on the web for a long time. So, you know, what what does that look and, you know, how, how big of a process is that? So um, if you wanted to um, simply do an install with a, um, a pen, 
you know, and, and you've got an icon on your desktop that you can double click and bring it up. It's a couple of minutes worth of work. If you want it to do more, um, you know, app-like stuff, so you want the push notifications, you want to uh, be able to do offline support, you want to do prefetching of, of content, um, you know, et cetera, then that requires more work. Yeah, I think the other piece, the other big piece of this too is like Electron-based apps. You know, they're already, it's, it's kind of funny because they're, they're hosting like Chrome, you know, Chrome in there and then they're doing like, you know, they do all this weird stuff, right, to like make a, an Electron-based app work. And as we know, they, they suck up a ton of uh, uh, memory and sometimes CPU. Um, so I guess Teams was based on Electron. Um, so like what, do you know what it takes to, to take something that's basically Electron-based and bring that over to a PWA? Yes. Okay. You want to tell us? <laughs> Electron Electron is uh, Chromium plus V8 plus your right. application code, right? Right. Um, and so the um, uh, you know what, what, what they do in order to to get the um, uh, you know, Chromium to work. They make a couple of patches to Chromium. Uh, they make a couple of patches to Node uh, to make those things communicate better. Uh, one of the tough things in, elect in Electron is that you can um, uh, actually run Node um, uh, modules directly in the render process. Okay, so if you're doing that, then it makes it really hard to convert that over to a PWA. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. If your front end, oh yeah, because you so so basically, I just want to stop there for just a second. You're basically mixing, if you're mixing web technologies and sort of like like you said, like local Node code, uh, which is you know sort of a different thing. Like we, they're both JavaScript, but they're different things. Right. Uh, then you're 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 kind of a little stuck. Yep. <laughs> and so makes sense. If your if your application runs in a standard browser by itself. Then, yeah. then you can convert it to a PWA relatively simply. Okay. If it's an Electron app that is taking advantage of everything that Electron offers, then um, that becomes harder. Okay, so uh, Teams Teams runs in a browser. Yes, you know, it does so run in a browser. Yes, it does. Seems um, like they're halfway yes. there. And so the the challenge, um, you know, the other the other, you know, this is a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing about PWAs is that it's standard web technology, and you can run on any platform and in any, any browser. Yeah. The downside of that is that you do not have control over which rendering engine or which JavaScript engine, right. and so on and so forth. And so um, if you take a look at Teams, Teams was uh, written originally as an Electron app and uh, optimized very heavily for V8, which I means it's a fantastic JavaScript engine. Yep. But optimizing for V8 means that you're not optimized for Chakra. And so um, they, can, they can run as a PWA today, but it's just slow in, um, in, in, you know, on, on top of Chakra. So yeah. they've optimized that, for a different JavaScript engine. That makes sense. I, you know, I always thought of that too. Yeah. If you just go to, in your browser, right? Like you can use Safari, you can use Chrome, you can use Edge to go to teams.microsoft.com. Yep. And like they have to deal with all the crap that's along with that. And like you mentioned, using something like Electron means that it's this known thing and you can you can just test it and ship it. Yes. Um, okay, very cool. But but the, the advantage, and I, I think that Teams, I think they've, at least like the Windows version so far has been converted to PWA. I mean, that removes like a lot of complicated layers, right? I yes. mean, okay. 
That's that's what I was thinking. I, I it, thought it would it, be it, a major it means advantage. That you're running on top of a platform that's already installed, rather yeah. than bringing your own platform. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, one of the challenges <laughs> with Electron is that you know the minimum install is like eighty or ninety meg. Yeah. And you know, and the uh, the PWA version of that same you know ninety megabyte install, the PWA version of that is going to be you know four hundred k or right. you know yeah. something incredibly small. Right. Um, and then it's just web content. It's 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 HTML JavaScript from the web. Yep. Um, Very cool. So yeah, that that makes it a lot easier. Okay. So is this starting to be like the promised land where we no longer have to build native applications anymore, or are we kind of just like re, you know doing again repeating history where we get close and we never quite get there? That's a great question, and what I'll what I'll say there is that um, the the people that think it is the promised land and they're never going to have to write a native application are wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, but if you think about it from a reach versus a capabilities and power standpoint, you know, the PWA is going to give you reach. It does not give you deep integration with the operating system. Um, and so, uh, you know, that there's, Web Bluetooth, which is a standard that Chrome supports, but right now it's the only one that does. Um, so if you need access to Bluetooth, that will work on Chrome, but not on every other platform. Um, if you don't need access to Bluetooth, okay, don't use it. <laughs> mm. You know, so if your stuff runs on a website, great. If it doesn't, if it needs access to the native platform, then PWA is not for you. Is really, yeah. I guess, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I'm thinking of like uh, Overcast, which runs on on iOS. You know, it's only on iOS, right. and any time that Apple adds, you know, some new feature that he can really take advantage of, uh, Marco Arment is the is the guy who develops that. Yep. Um, you know, like he has that that deep level of integration. That seems to me, and he's also doing like a whole bunch of complex audio work. Um, it seems to me like that would be sort of suicide doing that in PWA. But I would also think that. 95% of the apps out there. I mean, you mentioned Uber. I mean, it, it does right. like location access and uh, maybe like Apple Pay or something. But, um, but you but know, th th those are standards. Um, um, uh, yeah. You know, standards today where, you know, the, the, exactly. the DOM method to get access to the, yeah. uh, to the location and the web payment, again, is a standard today. Um, and that, yeah. that accepts Apple Pay and other things. The, um, but you mentioned you mentioned the the you know a lot of audio work uh, in the yeah. one app. Um, that's that's actually one of the things you know where we've seen challenges is when somebody needs a custom protocol, or mm. they need a custom codec for video or audio, yeah. or they need you know something else much much deeper. Um, you know, so for example, um, you know Skype, the app that we're using today, would have a hard time being a straight up PWA because they use. Um, uh, particular codecs in order to do the solid video. Not that my video right. is working today, but <laughs> <laughs> bad example. Bad example. Sorry, I realized that. Anyways, but um, they they have they have uh, custom protocols and and codecs that they use to make the the video more streamlined for streaming and not so much for just standard playback. And so um, they would have a hard time being a PWA because of that. Okay. And then are there more like service worker features on the way um, that are sort of in the near term future? 
Yeah, so prefetch is one that we're working on right now um, on on the on the edge team is you know so that you could go prefetch a lot of content. Um, okay. So right now, um, you know, you'd have to browse to each one of the things. You can get there. You know, you just create a little spider that's going in the background and going grabbing a bunch of stuff. But uh, prefetch is a standard that will come that will be able to say, "Here's a list of URIs. Go get them." Yeah, that's kind of interesting because so you can have a but you can have a JavaScript method that will request a it's kind of it just kind of it's kind of uh, confusing because you have like your your files for your web page but you're asking for the rendered URL um, but that's I mean PWR is running in the right context so you can do that I don't know I just have gears turning I, that's not a question yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead Carl <laughs> so going to a real question. You know, how do we go about testing the applications on various platforms? Is it as simple as opening up, you know, Safari on a Mac or, uh, you know, opening up Google Chrome or Edge on Windows? Or or do we actually have to, like, really install these on the various combinations that these could be, like, you know, like on a Samsung phone versus, uh, you know, an Android phone? Uh, good question. Um I'll be honest. I'm not actually 100% positive uh, what the right answer is there. Um, the so one of the one of the things that's that's also useful is there's a new another uh, spec that has come along called WebDriver, and it will simulate client interaction. And so you you can do most things from a testing perspective that you would do, um, you know, with you know by installing and so on uh, with WebDriver. And WebDriver is a standard that works again on almost every platform. Um, I do believe you would want to have a you know a couple of hardware devices you know so a couple of different versions of the Android phones just to test and make sure. Um, also, it'd be useful to test and see okay what happens when Chrome is installed as the default browser, what happens when the Samsung browser is installed as the default browser. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so there's a you might try a couple of different testing matrices, but in general, if it works in your um, in your browser, then it works as a PWA. Yeah, I'm wondering if you could use the, you know, there's like the the web test functionality that you know, came over with Xamarin, uh, which is now part of VSTS, which is now known as ADO. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm wondering if you could... for the win. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I didn't realize how complicated that was when I said all of it. But um, I would think that you could use that because they basically have, uh, that team has a, a giant uh, device library that they allow basically programmatic access to. Right. That's probably because it's just an, at the end of the day, it's just an app. Um, so as long as, you know, I wonder if they have a, a filter for basically, you know, devices that support PWAs. So we'll have to, that'll be an exercise left to the reader, I suppose. Um, and then you mentioned, uh, so any other examples of great PWA apps that you mentioned, Twitter, uh, you mentioned Uber, any others? Um, th there's quite a few of them that are, that are pretty, um, uh, pretty awesome, and you know some of those are submitted to the to the uh, Microsoft Store. Some of them are not. Uh, but mm -hmm. if you go to pwa.rocks, um, rocks is you know instead of .com, pwa.rocks, uh, okay. you get a list of a bunch of the PWAs that are out there. Um, you know, so somebody's created a, a you know one for Wikipedia. Um, you know, there's uh, expense managers, there's, um, you know, mail applications, there's all kinds of different things that are out there on uh, PWA rocks. Um, almost all of these are installable on uh, on Windows, Android, iOS, etc. Just depends if they've actually submitted them to, to those particular stores. I'm playing, I'm playing web flap. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, there are there are some games over Dang there, it. and so uh, and they they will they will you know suck your time away absolutely. Yeah. So, um, but so how do I actually, actually install? Very useful. Oh, which one is it? Uh, Flipboard. Uh, fl- oh yeah, Flipboard. Yep. So how do I actually how do I actually install like from? Can I do that from Chrome? Install yeah, so a PW then? If you have Chrome, uh, if you're using Chrome as your default browser, yep. Um, or actually. If you're using Chrome, let me just put it that way. Yeah. Um, and you go to a website that is, uh, so if you go to m.twitter.com, yep. that's their that's their PWA, um, and click on the little dot, dot, dot up in the corner, and under um, uh, more tools, you should see the install Twitter. Okay? Um, if you don't, right now on desktop, it is hidden behind a flag. So if you go to Chrome colon flags, I'm with you. Go to PWA or type type PWA in the search bar, and you'll see there's desktop PWAs and desktop PWA link captured. Yep. I recommend turning both of those to enabled. Okay. Done. And then go back and refresh on your mobile at twitter.com. Yep. It wants and to relaunch my browser. Yep. And you should see the install Twitter there. Still loading. Okay, so dot, 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 more tools. Oh, and I also see, I see, actually, it's not under more tools, it's above it. Oh, okay, good. It says create shortcut, install app. So install. Um, Okay, apparently it's installed. Yep, and so now you should see if you uh, just you know click the Windows button, you should see Twitter as a recently installed application. And let's see here. Ah, there it is. Perfect. Oh, cool. And so that is a PWA. Also, yeah. if you go to the Microsoft Store, so you know, uh, open up the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and do a search for Twitter there. Oops. Then um, what you'll find there is you know the the application that is in that is installable through the Microsoft Store. That is that is a PWA as well. It's exactly it's it, the exact same PWA that you just installed through Chrome. Okay, very cool. Yeah, so now I just. Um... You know, it's kind of funny, like I've been use I've actually been using, uh, you know, just more and more likely these days to run these apps through my browser. Right. Uh, just because there's no local storage. So, oh, yeah, I'm just looking like OneNote Online, create, create shortcut, create, look at that. And now, oh, see, that one's not as good. <laughs> see, they don't, they don't, that one's just like a bookmark. I mean, it just right. opened. One so note. A, okay, I got to submit yes. that as a feature. Yes. <laughs> so, um, depending on the application, you know, again, you can you can pin any website under under the right, podcast. and that's um, what it's doing, and and that's what it's doing, and so, um, but they haven't done the work yet to make it a PWA by adding a manifest yet, by adding a service yeah. worker, um, and doing that extra legwork to to make it a, you know a little bit nicer. Okay, so I wonder. Let me try doing that with Teams then. This is the most exciting portion of the show. Carl, you can so, answer. You can you can yeah, ask so, a question while I'm playing. So, <laughs> I, 
I'm going to ask two questions here, and I think you can answer them both at, at the same time. So is there something that your your team is working on that uh, we haven't talked about in PWAs? Or is there something that uh, you would like to talk about about the future of PWAs? Uh, yeah, so, um, uh, I mean, what we're working on that we haven't discussed yet is um, there is, you know, so, so we just, just installed – um, Twitter through Chrome and just installed Twitter through the Microsoft Store. If you run those two side by side, um, they will look and smell and taste very, very much alike, except that when you try to do like the share two, the Chrome will pull up Chrome's share two, whereas the the one that was installed through the store will actually pull up the share target in Windows because it's actually doing a little bit of OS integration stuff. Mm-hmm. And giving you JavaScript access to call into the Windows share uh, instead of you know just doing the the browser share. Uh, so there's you know that's a little bit nicer, a little bit of an extra feature set. And so we're looking for what are those types of things that developers actually want to do that would not be extra work for the developer that will enhance the user's experience. Because we still want this to be. The developer looks and looks at it like a website, and the user looks at it like an app. And so we're looking at what are what are those things, and making sure that we you know, pro- provide great support for those things. Yeah, just look. So yeah, Teams doesn't support it yet either, and they were oh. going to be doing PWA stuff. I'm just kind of surprised. Yeah, Twitter does a good job because like whenever I click on it, it opens in like its own window. Right. Yep. So, so even if I, even if I like close my browser, it will stay running. Um, and then, like you said, they can be using service workers and things like that. Uh, teams does not appear Correct. to have that behavior. They do not yet. No, unfortunately. Okay. Well, get on that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you're just waiting for that. So yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, anything else that we didn't ask that you wanted to make sure you mentioned? Um, so uh, I mentioned the Seattle Give Camp. Um, you know, anybody mm-hmm. who's based in Seattle would love to, to see you there, seattlegivecamp.org. Um, in short, that is a multi-company hack fest for uh, nonprofits. And so, um, you know, we, we have uh, currently 13 nonprofits that are signed up. And, you know, we're, we're always looking for more help. Some of those things are simple, you know, uh, website facelifts. And other things are, you know, they've got one of the start, one of the nonprofits has got, you know, thousands of little spreadsheets and uh, access databases and so on. And they need all that one time ETL into a centralized database. Uh, okay. So there's varying levels of technical stuff that we need to be done. Yeah. SeattleGiftCamp.org for cool. all the details and sign up. Yeah, my trick for converting from like Excel into SQL, I don't yeah. know if you've ever done this, Josh, is to, is to actually write, you know, write a formula that builds the insert statement into another column. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever done that, but uh, that's, a, that's a slick trick. Yeah. Um, and then you just copy those and then you just paste it into uh, Management Studio and hit execute and it executes, it, it inserts all the records for you. So it sounds like we need you at the Seattle Gift Camp so that you can show us that trick. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but I actually moved away from Seattle. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yep, wow. yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm back in Wisconsin. Um, okay. Well, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. So the, the, um, the, the, the non-Seattle-based thing that I want to promote is sure, um, right. uh, osmihelp.org. Uh, so that is open sourcing uh, mental illness um, 
and help for that. And so uh, the short version is, is that our profession, our industry, um, there are a lot of people who are afflicted with various mental illnesses. Um, some of that is deep, dark depression. And others are, um, you know, things like I'm, I have ADD um, and I'm wildly ADD uh, and it requires a lot of focus and a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. And my brain works differently than neurotypical people. Um, and, and that's okay. And so uh, open sourcing mental illness is starting that conversation and removing the stigmas from the uh, from from the mental illnesses. Uh, it's a, a nonprofit and a uh, cause that I support greatly. Um, okay. So, oh, these are some great causes. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, feel free to reach out to me at uh, Josh Holmes uh, on Twitter. So just Josh Holmes. Perfect. I try, and... try to stay simple. And... Cool. And then we have uh, I have a quick uh, app of the week, and then we can wrap this up. So. Um, and I don't know if you've ever used this, Josh, but um, basically I set up uh, Piehole. Have you heard of this project? I have not, no. Yeah, so this is, um, it's basically, they call it a black hole for internet advertisements. But basically, you know how you can install Adblock in your browser? Well, what this is, this is actually, um, essentially, uh, for the sake of, uh, uh, you know, simplifying this, is a DNS server that you set up, uh, was designed to be set up on a Raspberry Pi, so you can buy a a very inexpensive Raspberry Pi for like 35 bucks. You install this on there and it's essentially a DNS or a local DNS server. But what it does is if it gets a DNS request for a domain that is actually an ad domain, um, I'm actually not sure what response it gives back, but basically it gives back like a non-existent or, or bogus response. And it essentially provides you like in your entire house then with, uh, with ad blocking. And, um, you know, you say like, Oh, well, why would I want this? Cause I actually have, I've actually had ad block turned off for a couple of weeks um, I just, I'm not the susceptible to, to seeing them. So it didn't really bother me. Um, I, there are some on mobile that are, that are really intrusive, but, uh, I think the reason is, let me see if I can get you my number here. I've been running this only for like, I don't know, six hours. So let me pull up. It has a nice dashboard that you can log into. It's pi.hole because <laughs> it's the it's DNS provider, pi, right? Pi, yeah. P-I dash hole. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, no, it's pi.hole. No, no, I'm saying the the web, oh, no, no, no. the I'm actual website to go get, to, right? Get it? It's yeah, I'll get to it. Pi-hole.net. Right, exactly. Um, but anyway, so like in the last six hours, I've my computer, you know, the devices in my house have made five thousand four hundred and twenty queries. That's across eight different clients. Uh, my DHCP has not handed out this new DNS server to every client in my house yet. Uh, queries blocked one thousand three hundred and seventy-two, which is twenty-five point three percent. So literally a quarter of all the requests made in my house were for ads. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So this is uh, this is blocking all of uh, all of that, which I think is is great from a uh, you know a web page performance standpoint. Um, the non obtrusive app ads, like if you go to MS Dev Show, like we have an ad on our page, but we serve it first party. It's just an image, just like any other. Uh, it's non non obtrusive, and you know you can click on it, and it takes you over to Raygun. Um, that one is not blocked at all, you know, so I do still occasionally see ads with this thing, but it's really the ads that are not, uh, not trying to be too annoying. Um, so I think this is pretty neat and actually speeds up your DNS requests as well. Um, so I think it's a, it's a really neat thing. I actually have it installed in Hyper-V on a Windows machine. Um, I did not install install on a Raspberry Pi, but you can install it basically on any Linux machine uh, through a curl command, or they actually have a Docker image for it as well. So I, I just think it's kind of neat. Um, something that you might want to check out. And like Carl said, it's at, uh, what, pi-hole.net? Uh, yes. 
perfect. And and it's one line uh, one line in you to to install it. Um, and then Josh, there's a game that we play on the show. If I can find the cards here, I got a whole stack of them here. So I will ask you a question. Okay, here we go. Would you rather fall down 20 wooden steps by accident <laughs> or fall down 40 concrete steps by accident, but, but while wearing a football helmet, knee pads, elbow pads, and wrist guards? So would I rather fall down 20, 20 wooden, wooden steps Yep. or get some gear on and fall yep. down 40 concrete yeah. steps? Yep. Uh, hmm. Tough decision there. Um, obviously prefer to keep my balance. However, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've outsmarted the game. <laughs> well, <laughs> prefer to, but you did say on accident, so yeah. You know, um, my, I, I guess I would have to go down the wooden steps because really? the concrete steps would. Um, there's more than just helmet, elbows, and knees. That's true. Um, That's true. Because you can and, still break your arm or whatever. Yes, there's still a lot more painful things that can happen there. I don't know. Huh. Well, it's interesting because I was thinking, like, I was just, I was thinking no, no contest. I was thinking the 40 concrete steps. Uh, but, uh, you know, the fact that you picked the 20 wooden steps has me second guessing myself. But, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm also weird. Because so, you're right. Like, you could hit, you know, you could hit here. Yeah. But I feel like I could just, like, you know, I don't know. What is that? Like an armadillo Tuck or maybe, yeah, or maybe, a tur- yeah, maybe like a turtle. I guess switch to turtle mode, you know, with all the gear on. So, what would you pick, Carl? I would have to agree with Josh. I mean, it's, especially as uh, you get older, oh. you know, th- those kinds of things uh, definitely would affect you more and keep you out longer. Yeah. But I like how you just like, ah, oh, 20 wooden steps. Like, a, yeah, a piece of cake. <laughs> no, no, no. no. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that that would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So um, I know you mentioned a whole bunch of great causes. We'll include those in the show notes. Uh, but if people are looking for you, where can they find you? Uh, so, uh, joshholmes.com. Okay. <laughs> Josh Holmes on Pretty Twitter. <laughs> yep. Uh, or you can find me at Josh Holmes Photography on Instagram. Okay. Uh, or feel free to drop me an, an email at josh.holmes at microsoft.com. Okay. And Holmes is H-O-L-M-E-S. Just case. like Sherlock. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Sherlock's brother, Josh. Uh, <laughs> perfect. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So, Josh, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about PWA and all the great stuff going on in that space. It's an exciting